Before I start this episode, I want to send love to those who were affected by this tragedy. When this event happened, I was in high school in another state in an urban area. To see and hear the news about the shooting rocked the world and created discussion about gun violence that is still being held today. If this episode is offensive or you would like to discuss and offer insight, you can email the show at myop2comment at yahoo.com and follow me on Twitter at ThatRetroCode. With that, everyone, a moment of silence for those who are gone. Thank you. Hello everybody, welcome to Optional Opinion. I am your host, Eddie V. Thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great show planned for you. This one, um, I, I been taking some time with, um, getting things ready and just digging over some things. On this episode, I'm going to be talking about the history of the Columbine High School shooting, but more importantly, Super Columbine Massacre RPG. Um, a game that was, very controversial at the time that it came out due to the fact uh that it dealt with the school shooting um back in the 90s um so we're going to be talking about that game uh how it affected uh the culture and more things about that um but before we get into that i do want to play for you guys um a little of what the shooting was all about um Back in the day, um, in the early 90s, uh, two kids were, uh, into the high school and went on the shooting rampage. And this, um, clip that I'm going to be playing for you guys comes from ABC News, um, uh, reporting the story. So just check it out. Good evening, everyone. The reaction of so many people today was, oh, no, not again. Another high school, Columbine High in Littleton, Colorado, this time on the edge of Denver. It has been a horror. The spokesman for the local sheriff's office speaks of as many as 25 fatalities inside the school. The gunman, fellow students who rushed the school and opened fire for reasons we do not know yet, for reasons we may never know. Two of the young killers are dead. The sheriff says it looks like a suicide mission. He was asked about the fatalities. Currently in there. How long do you think it will take to sweep these fires? Hopefully, hopefully we'll get it wrapped up within an hour as far as the sweep. So you have control of the building now? Yes, we do. As far as you know, two suspects how many fatalities there might be. I remember as high as 25. How much planning do you still suspect would end up? How much planning do you still suspect? It looks like quite a bit. I think just by the degree of what they've done, uh, bombs brought in, the types of firearms brought in to do that kind of damage. 
The sheriff's giving us the first hint of what it was like in there today. Very violent inside Columbine High today. It began just before the lunch break. Our first reporter is ABC's Tom Foreman, who's been at the scene. Eyewitnesses say the two gunmen wearing black trench coats and black masks came in shooting and began working their way through the school. Teachers raced ahead to classrooms, yelling for students to run. Someone pulled a fire alarm. Started coming in the library and opening fire and shooting out bombs. You just feel it shake and the plaster would fall and the books would fall and they came in here and they shot some and then they went back out. People were getting shot all around me. There was a guy at a table right next to us, next to me and her, and they just shot him and then walked away and then he was just sitting there in a pool of blood. As police SWAT teams rushed to the scene, the chaos grew. Some students and teachers locked themselves into rooms and used cell phones to call for rescue. Police pulled people out any way they could, at one point rushing up beneath a second-floor window to grab this wounded boy. Another girl was reportedly hit nine times, and the gunman kept shooting. I was stuck in the biology room where the first shots were taken inside the school. It sounded like a big fight, and then you hear the shot go off, and a teacher ran by with another teacher shot in the arm. So we started putting all the tables up, and uh, they, like, set off flares next to our rooms, like they were trying to burn the school down or something. And they shot a few more times, and all the kids were frantic. How did you get rescued? SWAT team came in. SWAT team uh, evacuated the uh, upstairs above the commons and had us go with our hands behind our heads all the way down through, ran up by bodies. Bodies? How many bodies? There's three bodies. Where? Uh, by the commons. There's shots in the glass. Everywhere. There's three dead bodies going up the stairs. Students who made it out were gradually directed to another nearby school, where terrified parents were sent to find them. And those who had seen the shooting said the gunmen were members of a school gang that was often ridiculed by other students. It's just a gang of about, like, 20 guys who call themselves the trench coat mafia. They, like, wear trench coats every day to school, like, and wear makeup and paint their nails and stuff. And just, like, uh, I don't know, everyone kind of thinks of them as different, and they always just hang out with themselves only, kind of associate themselves with, like, death and violence. They play war in the school all the time. What do you mean they play war? They just pretend that they're in war. They usually have, like, just regular, like, small play guns or whatever and pretend that they're playing. For hours after the shooting began, police were picking their way through the building, looking for the suspects, students who were hiding or trapped, and more victims. <laughs> what police and everyone else are looking for now is a reason for the violence that tore this quiet school and suburban neighborhood apart just weeks before graduation. Tom Foreman, ABC News, Littleton, Colorado. So that was just uh, a report on on the uh, on the shooting. Um, the Columbine High School massacre occurred on April twentieth, nineteen ninety nine, in Jefferson County, um, in the state of Colorado. Um, in addition to the shootings, the complex and highly planned attack involved the firebomb to divert firefighters, propane tanks converted to bombs placed in the cafeteria, ninety nine explosive devices, and car bombs. The perpetrators, senior students Eric Harris and Dylan Cabot, murdered twelve students and one teacher. They injured twenty one additional of people and three more were injured while attempting to escape the school. The pair subsequently committed suicide. 
Although the precise motives remain unclear, the personal journals of the perpetrators document that they wish their actions to rival the Oklahoma City bombing and other deadly incidents in the United States in the 1990s. The attack has been referred to by USA Today as a suicidal attack that was planned as a grand, if badly implemented, terrorist bombing. The massacre had been reported as the deadliest high school shooting in U.S. history. The massacre sparked debate over gun control laws, high school cliques, subcultures, and bullying. It resulted in an increased emphasis on school security with zero tolerance policies and a moral panic over golf culture, gun control, social outcasts, the use of pharmaceutical antidepressants by teenagers, teenage internet use, and violence in video games. And when all of this happened, um, and people were doing news reports, they really were trying to find out an answer on how all of this occurred and why it occurred. And there were just so many commentators on TV just saying things that weren't proven true. Um, and we're going to be, I'm going to play a clip for one of them who talked about it. But, um, Eric Davis Harris, he was born April 9th, 1981 to April 20th, uh, 1999. That's when he killed. So, um, he was 18. And Dylan Bennett Cabo, uh, September 11th, 1981 to April 20th, 1999. He was 17. He would have turned 18, um, that following September. Um, there were two American spree killers and mass murders who killed 13 people and wounded 24 others armed with firearms and knives on April 20th. Um, there were 12th grade senior students at the high school. The shooting rampage came to be known as Columbine High School Massacre. Harris Capoe committed suicide in the library where they had killed 10 of their victims. Um, that's where they uh, both ended it all, of course. And this was kind of weird. Um, uh, about the shooting during that time, and I kind of did a little post about this. Um, a lot of urban and black schools, um, there was a fear of gang violence and gang shooting. Uh, so, uh, for those schools, they got a lot of metal detectors, um, uh, placed in uh, a lot of urban schools around the uh, USA, and a lot of suburban or majority white schools, um, who had. You know, just tons of kids going because they're, of course, just, they were in a better neighborhood. They feared that things like this would have happened. So, um, when the Columbine massacre did happen, that's when a lot of those got, uh, incorporated. But it was kind of weird to see, um, how all of this sparked a whole bunch of debate about violence in video games. And, um, that being the reason or most of the reasons, uh, that these two became professional killers, which for, uh, for a lot of people who, who were in the game culture, they, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't understand how we're pressing the button for a, a amount of time, um, be able to make you a killer. Um, you know, people who were, who did a lot of violent accident like this or, um, you know, worse than this, they may have never owned a video game system. You know, the mental state was blamed on the video games. 
so pressing a button made you a killer so you know nothing about accuracy nothing about practicing at a honey range or anything like that or being taken honey and you know raised up and trained by a parent or someone to shoot like none of that's a factor like my thing is at that time were people who were in the army were they just giving uh golden eye double seven uh for n64 and now there's just secret service uh secret service and great shooters like that i know i said army but um let's say Medal of honor or or some kind of world war game um like first person shooter like pressing that like I played a hero of warriors in Contra. Does that now make me like a soldier? <laughs> like, you know, um, th- that, that's just really good at shooting. Like it didn't make sense at that time. And a lot of, there was a lot of anger and a lot of, uh, blaming and video games, of course, was the scapegoat for a lot of older people to blame this on. And, when we look at it now in this time of age, that kind of logic and reasoning doesn't work anymore. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, when we get to our next session, we're going to be talking about the video game blame and we're going to be talking about a specific person in mind when I come back. So the video game blame. Um, at that time, Doom was a big title, definitely on PC. So a lot of people had gone to using Doom as their reference of game. This is before um, GTA 3 came out. You know, once GTA 3 came out, 
anything that had to deal with violence and kids, they would use that game. Um, even Mortal Kombat somehow got blamed for violence. And it was just very weird to see why it was important to use video games and try to put all these laws on them. Um, because of what someone had committed some kind of crime that had committed that we don't know if they ever actually played it um one person though who was really all for banning violent video games or mature rated video games and using that as the scapegoat was no one other than jack thompson um jack thompson used to be a lawyer in florida and he used to go on TV and just say all these ridiculous things about it. And at that time, uh, even EGM did a feature on him, like just covering him. Um, at that time, uh, he was just a, a lawyer and representing families trying to sue video game companies. He ended up, ended up getting the, uh, disbarred, um, later on, um, which I'll actually get into. So, but I kind of want to give you guys an idea of who Jack Thomas was. So just take a listen. Uh, what some of the, the initial questions have to be on the part of these parents of these students? Well, there are a lot of factors. Um, Typically, the school shooters train literally on video games to do this. Dawson College last year, Montreal, uh, the shooter, the killer, trained on a, a game called Super Columbine Massacre, uh, also Postal 2, both of which are murder simulation games in which the sh school shooters can rehearse and plan for and make themselves more efficient in these kind of murderous rampages. Uh, Jeffrey Weiss of Red Lake, Minnesota, a year and a half ago. He trained on Grand Theft Auto Vice City. I spoke with the FBI agent in charge there, and he said he could tell by the surveillance videos that he had basically done this before. He could tell his heart rate was below 60 beats per minute. He trained on a mass murder game, as I said, Grand Theft Auto. Uh, I represented the parents in Paducah, Kentucky. Michael Carneal, aged 14, trained on the game Doom. We went on... Uh, NBC, a week before Columbine, Matt Lauer asked me, what, what do you fear based upon what you learned in Paducah? And I said, we fear that there are going to be more of these by kids trained on the same game. Klebold and Harris trained on the game Doom to kill 12. Uh, Erfurt, Germany, until now, the worst school shooting in world history. Robert Steinhauser, three years ago, trained on the game uh, Counter-Strike Half-Life. They found 52 shooter games in his apartment. He killed himself as well. His favorite game was that game, and he dressed up in the commando garb of the hero in the game. So what the, the authorities are going to have to do, besides seizing this uh, assailant's computer, is also look for the entertainment materials, which the FBI and the Secret Service up to and through Columbine found to be one, the one common denominator, and that is these perpetrators' rehearsal on these mass murder games that allows them to be more efficient. The question of Breaks training and, and efficiency is is something quite different than these these shooters having something very wrong with them. I mean, it's one thing to, oh, absolutely. to experiment yeah, well, with a video game and, and something else to actually do it. Well, David, there are two sides of the coin. One is the appetite to kill and the rage that the games feed and make appear normal. The other is the reason why the military uh, uses video games 
uh, and that is to teach scenarios and killing methodologies to our soldiers, as well as to break down the inhibition to kill of soldiers. So there are two sides of that coin. And what's very troubling is that, of course, in this country, for 300 years, you had kids going to school with guns. Uh, to shoot uh, their dinner for their families, and they weren't turning their guns on one another. So what we have is a, is a nation, literally, of potential Manchurian candidate children in schools having spent hundreds of hours uh, each year on mass murder machines that teach them uh, that it's glamorous, it's fun to kill human beings, and also how to kill them. Uh, you saw a methodology here of chaining the doors. Uh, then going calmly, apparently, this is according to eyewitnesses, there was a flat effect on his face, just as if you were playing a video game. And uh, coolly, calmly killing people very efficiently. If you right. and I were to enter into that situation for the first time, our heart rate would be over 100. We probably couldn't get uh, the magazines into the guns. But when you rehearse right. these things ahead of time, you're more able to do it. All right, Jack Thompson, an attorney who specializes uh, terribly in these uh, uh, in these crimes hey, and uh, David and has, can I yeah. tell you one more thing yeah real quick I, I was, gotta take a break I, sure ironically I was on this campus years ago talking in a debate about the danger of these games and and now it's come to that school all right sadly Jack Thompson thanks very much for your expertise and your insight this morning so that was Jack Thompson um speaking out about uh that that one actually had to deal with the Virginia Tech shooting, but um, it was weird for him to go on to call them murder simulators because they are not murder simulators; they're first-person shooters, and that that's completely different. Um, the weird thing about Jack Thompson, um, he was barred in July 2008 um, by the Supreme Court of Florida for inappropriate conduct, including making false statements to tribunals and disparaging humiliating litigants. Um, the weird thing about Jack Thompson was that he became a broken record. And he would just, we knew that any shooting that would happen that dealt with the kid he would he would you know try to get his 15 minutes of fame so he could just blame video games but when it was a adult doing a big shooting or doing some kind of killing he never stood up he never said that that killer played the video games he didn't try to drag any kind of litigation any kind of court system with companies like he didn't do none of that when it was adults but when it was teenagers or whatever kid you know or college student he would be trying to get his um some recognition um Thompson has heavily criticized a number of games <laughs> oh goodness of video games and campaigned against their producers and distributors his basic argument is that violent video games have repeatedly been used by teenagers as murder simulators to rehearse violent plans he has pointed to the alleged connection between such games and a number of school massacres according to thompson in every school shooting we find that kid 
that kids who pull the trigger are video gamers. Also, he claims that scientific studies show teenagers process the game environment differently from adults, leading to increased violence and copycat behavior. According to Thompson, if some whacked out adult wants to spend his time playing Grand Theft Auto Vice City, one has to wonder why he doesn't get a life. But when it comes to kids, it has a de- demonstrable impact on their behavior and the development of the frontal lobes of their brain. Thompson has described the proliferation of games by Sony, a Japanese company, as Pearl Harbor 2. According to Thompson, many parents think that stores won't sell an M-rated game to someone under 17. We know that's not true, and in fact, kids roughly 50% of that time, all the studies show, are able to walk into any store and get any game regardless of the rating. No questions asked. This is what uh, Thompson said. Thompson has rejected arguments that such video games are protected by freedom of, uh, freedom of expression, saying murder simulators are not constitutionally protected by speech. They're not even speech. They're dangerous physical appliances that teach a kid how to kill efficiently and to love it, as well as simply calling video games mental masturbation. In addition, he had attributed part of the impetus for violent gangs to the military, saying that it was looking for a way to disconnect in the soldier's mind the physical act of putting the trigger from the awful reality that a life may end. Thompson further claims that some of these gangs are based on military training and simulation technologies, such as those being developed at the Institute for Creative Technologies, which he suggests were created by the Department of Defense to help overcome soldiers' inhibition to kill. He also claims that the PlayStation 2 DualShock controller gives you a pleasurable buzz back into your hands with each kill. This is a operant conditioning, behavior modification right out of B.F. Skinner's laboratory. That's what Thompson said. Although his efforts dealing with video games have generally focused on juveniles, Thompson got involved in a case involving an adult on one occasion in 2004. This was an aggravated murder case against 29-year-old Charles McCoy Jr., the defendant in a series of highway shootings that previous year around Columbus, Ohio. When McCoy was captured, a gang console and a copy of The Getaway were in his motel room. Although not representing McCoy and over the objections of McCoy's lawyers, Thompson succeeded in getting the court to unseal a search warrant from McCoy's residence. This showed, among other things, the discovery of additional gangs, state of emergency, state of emergency Max Payne, and Dead's rights. However, he has not allowed to present the evidence. Oh no. However, he was not allowed to present the evidence to McCoy, whose defense team was relying on an insanity defense based on paranoid schizophrenia. Of uh, schizophrenia, in the Thompson's estimation, McCoy was the functional equivalent of a 15-year-old, and the only thing that's saying about this case is a, is the insanity defense. Now. The weird thing about Jack Thompson, and you know, we don't really hear much of him anymore, uh, due to the fact that, uh, he was banned. Um, he had a discussion with Adam Seslow on G4 on Attack on the Show. They, uh, uh, or one of their gaming shows. They, um, they had a discussion. And it was kind of weird that Jack Thompson will be able to say, uh, the things about kids about the frontal lobe and stuff like okay so adults 
who play in Reddit games, once again, don't have an effect, but with kids, it does. That doesn't resonate because the same person that's the human, it's the human body, basically. We share the same parts, depending, um, well, the gender part is different, but we you know we got the same brain. So why is it that our brain, when we're adults, our frontal lobe, like he said, that doesn't, that has no effect playing it. But for a kid, it does. Wouldn't it be the same thing if my frontal lobe as an adult is the, is, uh, receiving and, you know, giving the same information as, uh, teenagers or a kids? Why is it not, why is that not applicable, applicable to the scenario? And it was just weird to see, you know, Jack Thompson just going up there. And for a lot of us, we just, we literally was just like, he is cuckoo crazy. You know, uh, definitely with Leland Yee, uh, in California on how he was trying to get in ready games, banned, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like a lot of people were trying to get these in ready games banned, but we see how it turned out with Leland Yee. We seen how it turned out for Schwarzenegger and stuff. You know, it, it is, it's weird that Schwarzenegger would say all these things about violent video games and then we turn back to Hollywood to do violent movies, like R-rated movies. Leland Yee got, uh, you know, with him and a Chinese mafia organization getting caught up in that scheme and all of that stuff. And it was just like, well, you guys are adults who should know better, but you're doing things worse than a video game or some scenario in a video game. So what, ha- when have y'all been playing Grand Theft Auto or some PC games? You know, like, what happened to that logic uh and things so you know with jack thompson getting this bar like he literally went away it was uh for a lot of people uh, you know they were happy that he went away but you know he um he believed that uh with eric and daniel uh that they, I mean, not Daniel, uh, Dylan, um, he believes that, you know, they played Doom a lot. So with them playing Doom, they were going through, um, the levels and getting trained. And Doom deals with demons. Um, you know, Wolfenstein is Nazis, but Doom dealt with demons. And if Jack Thompson just looked at it and just made, uh, just made that accusation, then, of course, we're like, well, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, he's thinking that they were seeing the, they were seeing students and stuff as demons. But there's so many factors to this. And we on the outside don't know. Like, were they being bullied? Did, did they have a mental disorder? Did they deal with, um, depression? Um, was it all about you know the popular people not accepting them or making fun of them um bullying in a different way uh bullying them in a mental state of way not physically touching them like we don't know anything 
uh, about that. Only those kids at that time. So, and when I kind of wonder, and during the shooting, was it random people they were killing? You know, and they probably thought it was fun, and they probably knew that they were going to kill each other. Uh, I mean, I killed each other, but kill themselves. Like I, I felt like at that time when I was looking at it that they knew that they weren't going to make their the way out so instead of the police killing them or them going to jail they will kill themselves and a lot of people think that when things like this happen that they will be remembered that they will create their own history and you know uh People would just remember their name and talk about them. But it, it's kind of weird when these things happen that we, during time, forget about them. You know, we probably weren't thinking of Eric Harris because we don't know him. We weren't thinking about Dylan Cabo. We, we don't know. The victims that passed away and that, you know, and some some of the survivors and stuff those are the ones that we're going to be thinking about and i don't think jack thompson actually realized that i think he was just trying to make a statement get his 15 minutes of fame and let's just go let's go with his hypothetical what if these games were um you know murder simulators okay so what if they still got bent and they got bent what if there were still school shootings? What if adults were still doing a lot of shootings from the 90s into early 2000s? What now? Because the scapegoat that you use, you can't use no more. You, you, Jack Thompson had no argument, had really no proof. And don't forget at that time, Night Trap had already... Um, for the ESRB or ESA, so there were mature titles. There were stores who were um not by law, who were putting um in their registers that you had to have an ID to buy an rated game. There were stores doing that, and still to this very day, there are stores and a lot of people's systems that ask for a date of birth. With your driver's license or state ID to even buy an ready game, kids weren't the kids weren't just walking in by in ready games. What kid you know got fifty to sixty dollars that's not walking with no adult able to buy an ready game? When's the last time that actually happened? So Jack Thompson was pretty much just making a big assumption about things, and it kind of really. You know, affected the gaming crowd uh, about that. So later on in 2006, uh, I mean, not 2006, 2005, Super Calibre RBG had arrived. And when I come back, we're going to touch on why that game even started. And did was it an unfair controversy? We shall see when I come back.
so Super Columbine Massacre RPG. Um, this was an indie game developed, uh, by one person, um, Denny, uh, Antonio Ladon, um, and he made this game to, uh, kind of talk about social issues, um, and kind of, uh, really address, uh, what the big deal was about it. Um, he created this game in RPG Maker, which is, uh, uh, a game that's on PC that allows you to make your own, like, role-playing game. Um, the RPG Maker series has been released primarily in Japan, but later versions, uh, released in East Asia, North America, Europe, and Australia. Um, it is a popular game development engine with hundreds of commercial games created using RPG Maker released on Steam. So, uh, uh, it's, you know, it's just like an engine that you were able to, um, make these games, um, you know, in an RPG kind of way. Um, they came out for PC 8801, MSX2, PC 9801, Super Famicom, Microsoft Windows, Sega Saturn, PlayStation, Game Boy Color, PlayStation 2, Game Boy Advance, Nintendo DS, Nintendo 3DS, and Linux. Um, and most of a, a lot of the PlayStation Nintendo ones, I believe there was one that actually came to America. One or two of them did come to America. Um, but they all have been on PC and others have always been in Japan. So, um, Super Columbine, uh, Massacre RPG, it makes you play as the killer. Um, I mean, as the killers and the style of it is, um, with this role playing aesthetic is that you're kind of fighting in a Dragon Quest fantasy star where you see the enemy and you choose your actions. And, uh, this game, uh, was going to be, um, you know, was going to be a little bit playable and slam dance, which was a competition, but they ended up, um, due to some controversy and its topic and its theme, um, they didn't allow the game in. So, um, Super Colorblind Massacre RPG, um, was released in April 2005. The game recreates the 1999 Columbine High School shootings near Littleton, Colorado. Players assume the roles of gunman Eric Harrison, Dennis Cabot, and act out the massacre with flashbacks relating parts of Harrison Cabot's past experiences. The, ge- the game begins on the day of the shooting and follows Harrison Cabot after their suicides to fictional adventures and perdition. This is basically hell. Ladon has spent many years conceptualizing games, but never created one due to his lack of game design and programming knowledge. He was inspired to create a video game about Columbine by his own experience being bullied and the effect the shooting had on his life. The game represents a critique on how traditional media sensationalized the shooting, and particularly the role of video games, as well as parodying video games themselves. Super Columbine Massacre was created with Asky's game development program RPG Maker 2000 and it took approximately six months to complete. 
The Don initially published the game anonymously, releasing an artist statement about the work after his identity was revealed. Super Columbine Massacre was released for free online and attracted little attention until 2006 when widespread media coverage fueled hundreds of thousands of downloads. Reaction to Super Columbine Massacre was enormously negative. The title was criticized as trivializing the actions of two murderers and the lives of the innocent. The game's cartoon presentation and the side plot to hell were considered by critics were considered by critics as obscuring the game's message, but it received minor note as a game that transcended the stereotypical association of the medium as entertainment for children. Super Columbine Massacre's theme and content led it to being included in discussion as to whether video games cause violence. The title was later listed as one of the possible motivating factors of the shooter after the 2006 Dawson College shootings. The game has been described as an art game, and LaDon has become a spokesperson for video games as an emerging art form. Producing a documentary in 2008 called Playing Columbine about his game and its impact. And you guys can rent that on YouTube or iTunes and check it out. Um, and it's kind of a, a documentary uh, about the game and uh, about, you know, him talking to Jack Thompson and other people, like their reactions to it. Um, the in, the characters in the game, um, if you think of River City um, Rampage, I think River City Rampage, I think that's it. Um those that kind of look of his uh enemies it has that style um with digitized photos of um of different areas of of the actual school um and when the characters are talking they're like uh monotone black and white pictures of each killer so he's he doesn't know what they're saying he's just kind of putting words in their mouth um to say it so um it kind of shows shows you that um you only could fight with those two characters so you choose both of their actions now unfortunately the characters the enemies they don't have no weapons so it's basically a unfair fight that you guys um you know the characters that you're playing of course they have guns so they're shooting off and taking you know energy off and stuff and killing them where the enemies don't do really anything or not the i shouldn't say enemies the victims in the game uh attacking you they don't have anything to like really attack you with um it seems that they got uh for their actions handheld weapons defend and use stuff and that's kind of where you got to choose uh your hands like i guess or a bomb something to hit them um use weapon i believe that's your gun um defend uh kind of like your guard like if you're playing final fantasy that'd be like your guard and then use stuff is probably like items to recover health and stuff like that so uh it, it was kind of weird just like literally seeing um this game um and i remember um, I was in college when I heard about Super Columbine RPG. And when I looked at it, and I, cause I knew nothing about RPG Maker, I looked at it and was just kind of a bit weirded out about it. Just like, who would make a game about, uh, a massacre? Like, like Columbine, like, and I 
I don't understand why he made it. There was no reason for commentary. There was no reason for, um, for something to be like, well, you know, when I was bullied, uh, you know, I had to go through stuff like this and I, and it feels like he wants to make a social commentary, but there, you're not seeing nothing about bullying. You just seeing you're playing two characters on a day that they're doing this massacre, you know, um, right. You know, we got a gang bully by rockstar and that tells us a better story about, uh, bullying and stuff. Um, I think you right now you could just see people testimonies and you could just see how bullying has affected a lot of kids and even cyberbullying. You know, we're in an age where technology has allowed cyberbullying to be a big part where some people feel like it's been ruining their lives and stuff. And for some people, they feel like they can't escape it. And the only way to escape it is by killing themselves, committing suicide or probably going to kill that person. You know, there's just so much that can happen in bullying and super Columbine. I just don't see how it could talk, how it could tackle bullying because it doesn't do a good job about doing it. Now, um, the Slam Dance Festival, um, it, you know, it was a competition where people were be able to bring their indie games and be judged. Um, and this one, uh, uh, the Guerrilla Games competition, this was the part that Super Columbine Massacre RPG was in. Um, in January 2007, the festival for the first time dropped the finalists. The game Super Columbine Massacre RPG was announced as a finalist in late November 2006, but the controversial game was dropped by Slim Dance founder Peter Baxter with no outside pressure as initially reported. In response to this, six other finalists withdrew from the competition in protest. Jonathan Blow withdrew Braid. That game company withdrew Flow. Waking Games withdrew Once Upon a Time. The developers for Tobolo withdrew their game. However, on January 16, the college which they attended, the DigiPen Institute of Technology, against their wishes, overbrought our decision and re-admitted Tobolo to the Sun. The slam dance festival because the developers did not consult the college prior to their withdrawal decision um queasy games withdrew everyday shooter nick montfort withdrew book and volume and the behemoth withdrew castle crashers the university of southern california has also withdrawn its sponsorship of slam dance over this controversy on July, I mean, on January 26, 2007, the date the Game Awards were to be presented, a panel discussion with the remaining finalists resulted in the withdrawal of the official jury selection for all finalists, and no awards were handed out. The competition has not been held since, so they don't even hold this competition anymore. They still do slam dance, um, but it's, it's not the same as, as it was, uh, without it. Um, in 2014, the Slamdance celebrated its 20th anniversary and welcomed back alumnus, uh, Christopher Nolan, where he was presented with the Founders Award. So that's kind of cool. 
uh, about it. Um, in October 2017, Dance announced the launch of an inaugural Russo Brothers Fellowship Award. Dance alumni Joe and Anthony Russo um, have partnered with Dance to further develop the mission of the artist-led organization with their inaugural Fellowship Award. The award winner will receive a $25,000 cash prize and mentorship from Joe and Anthony in the development of the winner's next project at the Brothers' new Los Angeles-based studio. Every participating filmmaker at the 2018 Festival is eligible for this prize. The award will be presented annually to a new recipient at the Slam Dance Film Festival. So they also have a film festival for it too. Um, but it, I, I can understand why it would get pulled. Like you're taking, you're taking a tragedy, and regardless if you're trying to tell it in a social in a social way, like to get people to have a discussion, the design of it and the point of it didn't come across. And, uh, this caused a lot of problems for Danny, like a little bit later on in it. But I want to play for you guys, um, his interview that he did on G4, um, where he talks about this game. to attack of the show we are live and talking about the controversial columbine video game before the break we asked you should super columbine massacre rpg have been pulled from slam dance well according to you 58 percent of you said it should not have been pulled let's go over to kevin who is actually working on an rpg about his own life yeah i am it's uh, all adventure zero action once again folks columbine is in the press but this time it's actually because of a video game based on the shocking events. Now, Super Columbine Massacre RPG, yes, that's the name, recreates the incident and puts you in the shoes of the gunman. Now, with all the controversy at Slam Dance, many people are saying that a line needs to be drawn. So here's the rundown on the story that is bringing the issue of video game censorship to the forefront. Super Columbine RPG recreates the morning of April 20th, 1999 and asks players to relive that day through the eyes of Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold, the two responsible for the deadliest school shooting in American history. The game was a finalist in the Slam Dance Guerrilla Game Maker competition until the festival's president, Peter Baxter, pulled the game from the competition to avoid potential lawsuits. Slam Dance says, quote, there are moral obligations to consider with this particular game and the preservation of the Slam Dance organization and its whole community, end quote. Now almost half the competition's 14 finalists have withdrawn their entries. They call Slam Dance's move an insult to their medium. How real is too real? Is Slam Dance's position justified? And why are video games held to a higher standard than that of their film counterparts at the same festival? Decide for yourself, folks. It's the loop. Joining us via satellite tonight from Park City, Utah, home of the Sundance and Slam Dance Film Festivals, the creator of Super Columbine Massacre RPG, Danny Ladoni. And from Denver, gaming writer and Rocky Mountain News, or for Rocky Mountain News and editor for Kotaku.com, Brian Kashrente is back for more. Welcome, gentlemen, to The Loop. Hi. Danny, I'd like to start with you, sir. Thanks for I, having me. I, I, it's a pleasure to have you here. I've been doing all the research. I read the artist statement on your website, and I'm not entirely sure I buy it. In fact, some people have called you disingenuous at best. So please do me and everybody else at home the favor. Take us back to the day you discovered RPG Maker. What went through your head when you decided to make this game? Like, wh why, why make a game based on Columbine? 
When I discovered RPG Maker, it occurred to me that I could spend the next six months working on a game. And I asked myself, if I can make a game about anything I wanted to, what would I want to make a game about? And honestly, because I was a high school student in Colorado at the time that Columbine occurred, it's an issue that never went away in my mind. And I knew that I wanted to make a game that mattered, something that was personally important. I had no idea if anyone else would ever play it, but I knew that this was something that I wanted to explore for me and for my understanding of what really happened. All right, and you sat down, you toiled away, you did extensive research, which I have to give you, give you kudos for there. And six months later, you came out with this game. And Brian, I know you've been following the story very closely. You've played the game. Right. What do you think of Danny's game? I, I think that it's uh, an interesting concept. I think what he was trying to do is genuine. I just think that perhaps the message might get lost in the medium. Uh, part of the problem is it's a, a game that's, you know, it's an RPG, so it's got you doing a lot of actions over and over again. And, and the message that he's trying to deliver is sort of stuck within these hours of gameplay. So, Daniel, how do you feel about that? Do you think that the medium might have actually gotten in the way of the message here, that people see a video game based on the events they see shooting in a cafeteria and they don't bother to figure out why you decided to put this on a computer screen? I think the message is absolutely lost in the medium because we understand often that games are children's toys. The average gamer is 33 years old, but most people don't know this. And so the idea that you could take a video game and address a real serious issue in our culture is still a very new one, and one that a lot of people aren't prepared to accept on face value. Sure. And it's one thing to address an issue with the game, but this, this particular title has raised several issues. And, and Brian, Slamdance and even Sundance, they have films that that tackle sort of equally controversial topics, yet in 13 or 12 years, there's been zero censorship of any of these films pulling the game out of fear of a lawsuit. I mean, are they justified, Brian? Do you, do you think that was the right move? No, you know, I, I think it would be justified if they decided to never enter the game. But once the game's entered, and, and not only entered, but actually becomes a finalist, why wait till just before the final selection to choose a winner to actually say, no, we've now decided the game isn't worthy? You know, the game hasn't changed. What's changed is the, the controversy, I guess. Danny, were you surprised at all when you found out that your game was pulled? What was your reaction? Well, honestly, while I may have been surprised that the game was pulled, I was more surprised that they asked me to submit it to begin with. Because quite honestly, for them to say, we want your game in the competition, please submit it, was almost a way of, of really taking on a lot of courage. Because this game has a proven paper trail of being very divisive and controversial. So it really is a double-edged sword in that light. I just wish that Slamdance would have been able to stand up for their convictions and stand behind a game that they saw having a lot of merit for the game-making community. Sure. And Brian, what do you think? Is this a case of Slamdance not standing up? Or uh, do you think they would like to have the game in the finalists? They just really can't afford the lawsuit, and that's why they're backing down? You know, it's hard to say. I spoke with Peter Baxter uh, right after the announcement was made, and um, I spoke with him probably for 30 or 40 minutes, and 90% and of that phone call was me trying to get him to answer that question, or, or right. answer the question, why? And um, they're just not answering yeah, it? Hey, they're Brian, reluctant to you answer? Know, I've actually talked to Peter about this in the last couple of days. We've done a lot of talking, myself, Peter Baxter, Game Festival director Sam Roberts, and what's clear to me now is that Slamdance simply doesn't have the resources, financially and otherwise, to spearhead this battle that really needs to be waged on the front of games to be able to handle these issues. Sure. And it's unfortunate because Slamdance really sets itself up to be that advocate. But in this case, I think the, the scale of this confrontation 
between politics, video games, the legal system is a bit bigger than one festival to accommodate. Right. And well, the festival aside, Danny, there's another issue here, and that's, you know, as video gamers, I'm sure yourself, Brian, and myself here, we, we know that video games perhaps aren't the root uh, of the cause of a lot of violence. There's many other factors and many other issues at play. But I do have to bring up, last year there was a school shooting at Dawson College, uh, and, and you're very, very well aware of this case because, you know, 19 people were injured, one person was killed, and the shooter said on his own blog, his personal blog, that your game was one of his favorites. And by no means am I implying that you're in any way responsible, but I do have to ask, do you feel that in addition to raising questions about events like Columbine, that you might have maybe glorified them by making a game about it or perhaps even desensitized the shooter in this case to these type of events? Right. I think if you're looking for a murder simulator, mine is not really the game to pick up for that reason. The game is laced with a lot of literary references. It's a role-playing game where the player encounters a lot of facts about the case. I feel it's very unfortunate that Kim Virgil did what he did in Dawson College, but of course we need to recognize that video games are not the cause of this kind of behavior. In fact, my game was made as a response to the idea that video games should be demonized or vilified as scapegoats for the kinds of things that go on in our culture today. All right, well, I want to thank you, both Danny and Brian, for joining us today. It's a pleasure to have you guys keeping us in the loop. Listen, the controversy over violence in video games has raged since the Pac-Man days. So, uh, that was a, a, just a quick discussion. Um, when I come back, we're actually going to talk about the aftermath of everything. Um, like, what actually happened. Um, because, uh, which is, it's kind of weird to say this, that, but, uh, because of what happened, um, a lot of things, a lot of things did go down, but not so much as we remember this game and remember this person. So, um, when I come back, uh, we're going to talk about it and, um, we're going to really get into it, uh, about it. All right. When I come back. So, um, sorry about that, everybody. <laughs> so, with, uh, 
the controversy, um, you know, dying down and everything happening, um, he kind of ended up losing his job. Um, he later on, he became a teacher for, uh, Adams State University in Alamosa. And in May 2011, Ladone became a part-time film instructor at the Adams State University, um, in Alamosa. He taught three courses, uh, per semester under the mass communication program and carried out video, video production services on behalf of the university. He also served on the board of the Southern Colorado Film Commission for a number of years and became the festival's director in 2015. Ledon was later made a full-time visiting professor with full benefits. During the later months of his final contract with the university, Ladone established the website Watching Adams, a blog that discussed and often criticized the institution's administrators. Sorry about that. In many of his posts, Ladone brought light to a situation regarding significant differences in the pay structure pay structure between administrative and academic staff. In some cases, it was demonstrated that athletic and administrative staff made 120% or more of industry benchmarks and that academic, fa- and that academic fa- faculty made 80% or less. Within two days of that post regarding the pay structure, University President Beverly McClure issued Ladon with a no trespass order of the university campus and its buildings on the grounds that his behavior was deemed to be disruptive, detrimental, and posed a safety risk for, to the university. The university labeled Ladon as a terrorist and said that any attempt to enter the campus would result in being arrested. The ban also prohibited Ladon from attending the 2015 edition of the Southern Colorado Film Festival, of which he was the president. He was therefore forced to resign from his post. In February 2016, the ACLU launched a legal bid to reverse the ban on the grounds that the university had no legitimate basis for Benny Ladone and that the action had been defamatory to his character and there was no evidence that he had ever engaged in any threats or violence, directed or indirect toward anyone or anything in the, at the university. The action was intended to vindicate Ladone's First Amendment rights to criticize the operations of the university. Both parties eventually entered into med- mediation before a former federal judge. This resulted in a settlement agreement in which Adams State University would repeal the ban and pay $100,000 in compensation for the ordeal. Speaking about the settlement, Ladone sent via statement from the ACLU, I sought this legal action to challenge the university's heavy-handed attempt to discourage me and others who disagree with the administration from speaking out. I'm very satisfied with the settlement and looking forward to continuing my work in this community. But that actually didn't happen. And I'm going to uh, play a video, video for you guys to hear um, more about the story. Hey, what's going on, everybody? My name is Mundane Matt, and, you know, you might remember a game called Super Columbine Massacre RPG, right? 
This was a game created by Danny Ledone. It was first really announced in 2005, six years post the events at Columbine, and it was a game made entirely in RPG Maker, which was part of the kitsch. It was the whole fear that someone who wasn't a uh, a full-time game dev could make these kind of violent simulators, right? It was a weird thing at the time. Um, but it came out, came out with a bit of a splash at Slamdance when it was removed and everything like that. But ultimately it kind of went, uh, to the wayside. People forgot that it existed, right? And Danny himself went on to go teach at Adams State University. Well, for the past couple of years, he hasn't been a full-time member. He's been like an associate, uh, part-time teacher basically, and he's been applying for full-time work. And the last couple of years, he has been overlooked. And in his mind, he's been performing the duties of the professors that are full-time, and he feels that he deserves that position. Well, I guess he's made a bit too much of a stink on campus about it, because campus police chief Grohowski has actually banned him from the entire campus. And the reason for this, and you can find this letter, uh, essentially boils down to the fact that Danny created Super Columbine Massacre RPG. That is the very first in a list of bullet points about Danny, meaning that is the most important. That's why he put that first. The uh, The rest of it basically has to do with he disapproves of some of the comments that Danny himself had made uh, in the frustration of this particular, you know, job situation. So this police chief took it upon himself to ban an educator and a game dev who had done nothing wrong except being upset that he had lost work, right? That's it, being upset that he had been overlooked for promotions, essentially, uh, and used a decade-old social experiment uh, in a video game form to have a guy banned from the campus. And I don't know about you, but... Uh, that's that's fucking horrible. That's horrible because the police chief goes on to say, my decision and recommendation to disallow this or any person access to our campus is based on the needs and safety of the ASU community, which clearly outweighs the special interests of the singular. In this post-Columbine hypersensitive world of mass shootings and violence on college campuses nationwide, it is my duty to balance the free speech and individual rights against the public safety of the many. As your chief of police, it is my duty to assure the sense of safety, security, and comfort to all who attend and work here at Adams State University. Right? And then he goes on, and this is, seriously, this is how he ends it. Although Mr. Ledone's behavior has not yet reached the realm of violation of our laws, my recommendation to ban him from campus is sound, rational, and errs on the side of public safety. If you guys will pardon me for one moment. Are you fucking retarded, Grahowski? You're banning a guy from campus who had done nothing wrong. You say so yourself, but you're saying that you're erring on the side of public safety. Why? Because this guy made a video game that examined a horrific, tragic situation from a decade ago, right? The event itself was over a decade and a half. This guy came at it a decade ago using a free open source program in order to create this particular uh, situation, okay? And the thing is, this game has been examined and been discussed, and they've actually made a feature-length documentary about it called Playing Columbine. And here, here's probably the best thing about this. As a way to protest your asinine goddamn bullshit decision, just a couple days ago, the students on campus played Playing Columbine for anybody and everybody to see. That's a way of standing up to your bullshit fucking tactics, Chief Grahowski. I can't be the only one that is truly upset at this. I, 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 
everything we've been seeing on college campuses lately has really pushed this particular narrative because the chief says that he has to create a place of comfort for students, right? The, the thing in Yale, it was like, no, you're not creating an intellectual space. You're creating a comfort zone, a safe space. That's what this chief is essentially mimicking. Okay. And keep in mind that this happened on October 28th. This is nearly a month ago that this particular event happened. So this is before Mizzou. This is before Yale, before the Million Student March, before all of that shit. Yet this was not widely talked about. I came across this article through Gama Sutra, which picked it up from Game Politics, and nobody was talking about it. Nobody was talking about it in a way that would even be remotely appropriate, which was more like in passing, oh, this developer, yes, he uh, created this video game that the chief of police uh, camp, you know, didn't care for, and so they, they banned him, essentially. Oh, well, moving on. You know, but is he a crayon head who identifies as a fucking squid whale? Oh, nope, Patreon, fucking full-page ads and shit. This is something that's actually a problem. This is This is an issue here. You have a chief of police on a college campus banning a faculty member or maybe an ex-faculty member. I don't know quite the full details from coming on campus, participating in a film festival, which he was going to be at anyway, because he made a video game examining a very tragic event from 16 years ago. Right. And this game itself is old. The controversy has died down. Have any of you guys actually played Super Columbine Massacre RPG? I have. It was really interesting. It was hard to play, I'm not going to lie, not because of the way it was designed, but because of the subject material, right? But it was still a very interesting concept, especially when you got to the end and you go to hell and you fight Doom characters and there's no health regeneration and you play until you actually die. It's a very interesting look at that event, of that horrific, tragic, horrible event. And here you've got the chief of police using that as a way to... Uh, claim or point the finger that this person who made that game could be up to no good, right? No, no, he didn't actually do anything illegal. He didn't actually do anything bad, but he might. Oh, he might. This guy is like the Donald Trump of fucking campus police chiefs. And I'm not going to lie. This is something that would that they should fucking fire his ass for, right? And I don't call for that very often. Those of you who know me, no, I don't call for firings very often, but to outright ban somebody because you're afraid of something they might do? No, that's not protecting the rights of everybody else. That's that's not erring on the side of caution or public safety. That's you being a bigot and a fucking coward. And that's all that you are, Chief Grohoski, is a bigot and a fucking coward. But that's just what I think. What about you? Let me know in the comments below. So, um, that was, uh, a report about that. Now, um, the game is still available to play. Um, you can watch the whole playthrough on YouTube if you care for. Um, this game kind of inspired other shooting games to be made. There's one for the Virginia Tech. Um, there's some Doom 2 mods that you could play. That, uh, that place, like, uh, you were in Calabon, um, and some other school shootings and other, just basically other shooters like that. Um, and for me, Percy, I think this could be considered on the same level of PETA web games. You know, during the time PETA was taking, um, uh, some Nintendo properties and turning them into, um, not murder simulators or anything, but turn them to like, 
kind of I want to say propaganda but not really they were they were trying to get the point across that murdering animals is the wrong thing but they went extreme and they and it was kind of like the purpose of it was if you you know doing uh doing something in the digital space will result to you probably doing something in the real world so and you know them using just Nintendo characters and Nintendo levels and, and even the music and making it and taking it way too far. Um, I kind of feel like that's how Colorblind Massacre RPG is now. For someone who hasn't played it, because I didn't play the PD games neither, um, that's just a viewpoint. That's not actual fact or anything. It's just a viewpoint, and I, I kind of feel that. Uh, you know, even as time has passed, I, I still kind of, I, I still kind of wonder why did it need to be made? You know, I, of course I play with his reasoning and what he talked about and what he said, but I, but still the execution could have been better. Um, and he, and personally he hasn't, I haven't seen anything or heard anything from him since Colorblind. Um, you know, this is a game that people completely forgot. It, people were in, in outrage and get voices their opinion about it, but it fell by the wayside. And definitely with this, um, with the thing happening on the tech campus, you know, using it as evidence or as reasoning and stuff, you know, you can understand like sometimes your past has a consequence, can always resurrect in some way in your present or for, you know, to ruin your future. But I just think that now if I think if people went back and played it, played it and look at it, they would kind of, they might be laugh at it. It might not even be up to snuff. Um, people might say there's better indie games than this. Um, but you know, they they probably will voice a different opinion about it. Um, definitely for kids who don't know nothing about the Columbine shooting. Um, would it be good to play this game and then show them that? Or is it good for them to, you know, to learn about the Columbine shooting and then play this game? And kind of see where they think in, uh, about it. So when I got, come back, we're going to talk about a little bit of um, some games that did get expired from it. Um, and some events that did happen. Um, and also we're going to talk about, Jesse, did this game really create discussion? Or were did it create, you know, people being disgusted? We will talk about that when I come back.
And so let's get into um, some of the things that did get inspired from this game or some events that did happen that also led to uh, video games. Um, I'm going to start out with the Virginia Tech shooting. Uh, The Virginia Tech shooting uh, occurred on April 16, 2007 on the campus of Virginia Polytechnic Institute and State University in Blacksburg, Virginia. Um, in the U.S. Uh, Sion Q. Cho, a senior at Virginia Tech, shot and killed 32 people and wounded 17 others in two separate attacks. Another six people were injured escaping from classroom windows, approximately two hours apart before committing suicide. The attacks received international media coverage and drew widespread criticism of U.S. gun culture. At the time, it was the deadliest shooting carried out by a single gunman in U.S. history. It sparked intense debate about gun violence, gun laws, gaps in the U.S. system for treating mental health issues, the perpetrator's state of mind, the responsibility of college administrators, privacy laws, journalism, ethics, and other issues. Television news organizations that aired portions of the killer's multimedia manifesto were criticized by victims, families, Virginia law enforcement officials, and the American Psychiatric Association. Cho had previously been di- uh, diagnosed with a severe anxiety disorder. During much of his middle school and high school years, he received therapy and special education support. After graduating from high school, Cho enrolled at Virginia Tech. Because of federal privacy laws, Virginia Tech was unaware of Cho's previous diagnosis or the accommodations he had been granted at school. In 2005, Cho was accused of stalking two female students. After an investigation, a Virginia special justice declared Cho mentally ill and ordered him to attend treatment. However, because he was not institutionalized, he was still allowed to purchase guns. The shooting prompted the state of Virginia to close legal loopholes that had previously allowed individuals adjudicated as mental unassigned to purchase handguns without detection by the the National Instant Criminal Background Check System, or NICS, NICS. It also led to passage of the only major federal gun control measure in the U.S. since the year 1994. The law strengthening the NICS was signed by President George W. Bush on January 5, 2008. The Virginia Tech Review Panel, a state-appointed body assigned to review the incident, criticized Virginia Tech administrators for failing to take action that might have reduced the number of casualties. The panel's report also reviewed gun laws and pointed out gaps in mental health care, as well as privacy laws that left Charles' deteriorating condition in college untreated. So that one was based on a mental state, but um, like I played earlier, um, that, uh, with Jack Thompson that, you know, Cho, um, played Counter-Strike. So he blames Counter-Strike for this attack. Um, he didn't mention anything about, uh, mental, the mental thing. Cause, you know, Jack Thompson, he didn't know anything. He was just making, uh, making an opinion, just making absurd statements. And that ended up happening. So there are some doom clones of it. And, um, there is like a first person Virginia Tech game that's on that you can see on YouTube. I don't know if it's available or anything, but um that was a very big controversy. Another one though is the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting. 
Um, this one occurred on December 14, 2012 in Newtown, Connecticut, where 20-year-old Adam Lanza fatally shot 20 children between 6 and 7 years old, as well as 6 adult staff members. Prior to driving to the school, he shot and killed his mother at their Newtown home. As first responders arrived at the scene, Lanza committed suicide by shooting himself in the head. The incident was the deadliest mass shooting at either a high school or grade school in U.S. history and the fourth deadliest mass shooting by a single person in U.S. history. The shooting prompted renewed debate about gun control in the United States, including proposals for making the background check system universal and for new federal and state gun legislations banning the sale and manufacture of certain types of semi-automatic firearms and magazines with more than 10 rounds of ammunition. A November 2013 report issued by the Connecticut State Attorney's, Attorney's Office concluded that Lenza acted alone and planned his actions by providing no indication of why he did so or why he targeted the school. A report issued by the Office of the Child Advocate in November 2014 said that Lenza had the developmental disorder Asperger's Syndrome and as a teenager suffered from depression, anxiety, and obsessive compulsive disorder but conducted that they had neither caused nor led to his murderous acts. The report went to say went on to say his severe and deteriorating internalized mental health problems, combined with the typical preoccupation with violence and access to deadly weapons, prove a recipe for mass murder. Um and uh Jack Thompson said that because he played Call of Duty, that made him go out and be a soldier and kill. It, yeah, one of those things. Um, the last one, though, um, that was probably known was Hatred. Um, Hatred is an asymmetric shoot-em-up video game developed and published by Destructive Creation that was released on June 1st, 2015 on Microsoft Windows. The player character is a misanthropic, uh, mass-killing psychopath, or uh, sociopath, who begins a genocide crusade to kill as many human beings as possible. The developer described hatred as a reaction to real game aesthetic trends such as political correctness, politeness, vivid color, and game as art and games as art. And as its October 2014 announcement trailer was characterized as controversial by multiple video game journalists. The game was shortly removed by Valve Corporation from their Steam Greenlight service due to extremely violent content, but was later brought back with a personal apology from Game Newell. It was greenlight for a second time on December 29, 2014 and released on June 1, 2015. Critics gave hatred negative reviews, with some painting the game for its lack of vari- variation receive a generally unfavorable user score or metacritic so it tried to do you know once again prove something but it really didn't so um we we kind of got games like this and like i said earlier doom mods and uh we still probably will receive more like that you know i haven't even talked about the pulse shooting the um you know the shooting in uh, Las Vegas um, with at the hotel with that uh, with the with the adult you know and the modified guns and stuff like that. And there were there's been more shootings, the Warwick shooting in the uh, in the movie theater uh, during Batman. Like there were there's just been a lot of shootings and stuff like this. And it, it's kind of weird to see that 
you know, people will take these shootings and try to gamify them. What for what purpose? And that's why I ask, did Super Colorblind RPG, you know, did it create discussion or and or did it create disgust? And for a lot of people, they were disgust. The discussion that was created from this were more like, can games like these be created more than what the social message that um that he was trying to get get at uh Danny Ladome was trying to get at because it doesn't it doesn't take much to see that you have a right to make this game and you have that right to put it out depending on if it's on your own website if it's get green like Dustin and Microsoft or whatever um, you have a right to get it out. Now, what what happened about it though is its execution. Does that execution of the game allows you to talk about the themes in this topics, or are you just creating this game probably for exposure, probably to show that you know? Um, I have a right to make this game because that's kind of where the discussion about um, Super Colorblind Massacre RPG has created. Can a game like this be made? It was made. It caused that discussion and now nothing like it didn't cause talk to us about bullying. You know, when we talk about bullying, we 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 talk about people being bullied their videos the suicides that come from it we we talk about that we talk about mental health um when it deals with school shootings or deal with shootings in general or abuse or we talk about those things when we t- when we look at hellblade we see what mental health has created what it, what it does and Ninja Theory did a fantastic job showing you that exposing you to that get, letting you see why um, it's a serious it's a serious disease uh, schizophrenia is a serious disease like they went and did research they didn't make this game just to be noticed you know the Yes, it is art and it is protected by the First Amendment. But they went more than that. And I think Danny Ladon didn't go didn't go that while. Like he was in a whole nother state. So why haven't you not gone to Columbine to talk to um talk to the family members or try to reach out and get some information you just recreated a scenario made it made it what you think the way that it played out and left it there and that's where the disgust probably comes from that you you made it he made this game without thinking about the victims and maybe we will in the future be able to see a game like Super Color by 
RPG. That's going to stir up controversy, but its theme and its topic will get a will get across. So we will be able to have discussion and why a game like this needs to be made. And what was executed in the game creates a discussion that the theme and topics the game has had. Because if you play Horizon, even though that's an action-adventure, RPG, open-world kind of game, it deals with diversity with some of the uh, and diversity and prejudice and discrimination. It deals with those issues in a video game. You know, when you look at The Last Guardian, it deal it deals with bonding. It deals with why bonding with you know man and animal or just you know having each other's back and stuff it kind of deals with that no it it show it showcases what a deep friendship means not just using another person not just exposing oh um you know because peter didn't go i haven't heard peter or seen peter go over uh yelling at sony because of the last guardian no i haven't heard seen none of that so in the future if we can if we can't probably see games being made where they're going to handle topics like this because even like the um that dragon cancer um you know dealt with that guys and with that family's uh son their baby you know it 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 creates a discussion you know um and maybe we'll we will get more games like that that we could have that discussion. But for right now, games like Hatred and games like Super Columbine RPG, games like that's that's based off some of these other kind of uh school shootings and stuff. People are going to feel disgusted because no research or care for the victims have been into it. Got put into it because guess what? Even though you put it out in the air for people to play it, the people who are victims, who and and I I'm kind of glad personally that the game did get made, and I'm but I'm more glad that this game didn't charge people to play it because if he was making a profit out of this, it would be in a whole different discord uh, discussion and story about it. So when I come back, um, I just got some personal thoughts, um, about this. Um, when I come back, um, I'm just going to get some last viewpoints and then I'm going to do some plugs and I'll be right back.
and I am back. So, um, my last viewpoint about this, I gotta say first that as a as a black man, as myself, um, I I was thinking about you know when I stated earlier in the intro, you know, me being in high school of about this, that there was a stereotype about us. And that stereotype dealt with certain black males and females or, you know, just black kids in general, teenagers were all gang members. And there was a fear that someone will bring a gun to a school and do a shooting or have a uh, drive-by. And even with people dealing with um, being bullied and stuff like that, that, that never was a factor. And it was always opinionated about white schools and white kids in general at that time that because they I guess if you want to say they was a little bit more privileged than black kids or other minorities that none of this stuff would have happened and in my high school all the white kids because they came from the navy base was very down to earth was just really cool to talk with and bond and become friends with. And for a lot of them that were leaving our school, you know, we were always sad to see them go. And sometimes we would throw parties or we would give them cards or give them hugs, pounds, and, you know, always just show some some respect and love to them. Because they were on a new journey. You know they had to move around. And nothing about gun violence. In my area. When I was growing up as a kid. Was a factor about school. And when it came to video games. Of course there was. (laughs) The Sega Genesis. The Super Nintendo. And other consoles like that. It was kind of like. Uh, sports games a little bit RPGs and other genres that people were into but we would never have thought of making a game about you know school shootings or games like this and when I seen this um, I had just I was one month about to graduate from high school I was held back in fourth grade. I'm not afraid to admit that. I was getting ready to graduate from high school with national honors and kind of a 3.8 GPA. I worked hard to get, you know, where where I could, you know, to get my scholarship and stuff. And I was bullied and made fun of. But I would never think of myself to you know, grab a gun and kill somebody. And I think and when you look at a lot of white schools that 
we see and hear things about them, but we don't actually know what those kids are going through. Just because we come from a different neighborhood and just because we um, we experience different things at a time doesn't mean that their life is easier than ours. Life is life. A teenager's life is always going to be hard because you're still trying to figure out what's going on. Still trying to figure out who you are. And with Columbine, it's, it's sad in the sense that this tragedy happened. And every time we look at a tragedy that has happened, if it is a black person, we are we get surprised. We have gotten to the point where any any kind of shooting that gets gets reported all day long deals with a white person. And we we don't like I said earlier we don't talk about mental mental you know health, mental health and things like that. But as a kid, as a teenager, you know, at, time has passed. There are still wounds that's still there, and there are people who are who have healed, and they moved on. But they have probably created traditions, created memories, always keeping a person in mind close to their heart, and. You know, people might look at uh, the killer's parents and might say things and stuff like that and blame them. But it's hard to blame them. There were two individuals who decided to take something upon themselves. Just like Danny Ladon, he took it upon himself to make this game. And so we're at now in our present age. We're having still a discussion about gun control. And we're having this discussion about gun control because we are tired of lies being taken unfairly. Just as we are marching in Black Lives Matter and have that agenda, there's people in the United States who really want stronger gun controls so that innocence not based on race or anything but that innocence stop getting killed so that people who are not mentally stable cannot purchase a gun you know people want people want a new system for buying guns they don't want the pen and paper method they want everything electronically so that way they could easily go and find. Now, that 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 might come in due time. And who knows what the, what the NRA would turn out to be in the future. Because a lot of people say that they play a part in all of this too. But Super Columbine Massacre RPG is the topic. And... If you guys want to play it, go ahead and play it. You you'll be able to find it, um, and and experience it. As for me, um, out of respect for 
the family and the victims. And as a gamer myself, I just don't feel up to playing it, and I just don't feel right playing it. I don't need to experience innocence, whether it's fictional, being replicated um, in a game form. And as much as many games that I have balanced and played, there's just something about real life tragedy getting games. And not and not getting to its theme and to its topic the way that it should be intended. So um but you guys can hear more optional opinion. On SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, and other podcast apps. And I have other uh, people that I want to plug for you guys to listen to. Um, you guys can listen to Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. Um, there are podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Uh, like their Facebook page and follow them on Twitter at HHP Podcast Show or HH Podcast Show. Uh, Simon's Cake Podcast at simoncake.wordpress.com. You can hear their podcast, which is also on iTunes. Like their Facebook page and follow them on Twitter at Simon's Cake. Uh, MVC Video Game Book Club. <laughs> we are on hiatus, I should say, <laughs> right now. But you can check us out on Facebook and join in our discussions. Uh, Secret Friends Unite. Uh, you can check out their podcast on Podomatic, iTunes, and Stitcher. Uh, like their Facebook page and follow them on Twitter at Secret Friends U and subscribe to their YouTube page, Secret Friends United. Um, Life of Gaming has returned, but I don't have any um, updated um, information for them. So I will be talking to Jamie about that and um, trying to get their information out. Um, you can check out Phoenix Overdrive's content via YouTube at youtube.com slash Phoenix Overdrive or subscribe to them via SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash Phoenix Overdrive or find them on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music by searching for Nerd Overdrive. Join their discussion via Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash PO Nation or tweet at them at phx underscore overdrive. Uh, or you can tweet their official podcast at nerd underscore overdrive. Check out their extra life efforts at facebook.com slash phoenix overdrive. Um, and check out their extra life team page at extra dash life dot org slash team slash phoenix overdrive 17. It will be updated for 18. So so I'll get in touch with them and check them out also on twitch.tv slash phx underscore overdrive. Um, also check out extra jump podcast. You guys can find them on SoundCloud. Um, J.R. Oliver and Ryder Sweat. They are a new podcast, uh, PlayStation focus. So give them guys a listen. Um, you can email the show. Like I said earlier at my up to comment at yahoo.com. That's N Y O P the number two C O M M E N T at yahoo.com and follow me on Twitter at that retro code you can read the optional opinion blogs on ign.com under anime e-n-i-m-e and you can check out check out my other series the moment at skirmishfrogs.com s-k-i-r-m-i-s-h f-r-o-g-s.com i will be returning uh to that series in the new year so um and optional opinion blocks will be coming back to IGN. Uh, I will be returning back to that. Um, and I do want to apologize everybody for, um, this year's, uh, the beauty of video games. I didn't get to finish it, get stuff out. There was just a lot of stuff going on. So, uh, for 2018, that is going to be my goal to, uh, make sure that that 
theme uh, still appears, but that you guys still get podcasts and you guys get blogs every day for it. I would do better uh, for it. So I just want to say that I apologize for that. Um, and I've been hyping about that because I'm so excited, but uh, there were just things that just happened. Um, you can join my Twitch page at the Lyrical One, D-A-L-Y-R-C-I-A-L One, and watch my Let's Learn series. I'll be returning to that also. Also, check out uh, World One One podcast that I uh, co-host with Larry Giver. Also, check out Nintendo Pop Lock on NGRRadio.com and on Arsenal X, our X Xbox podcast that I host with Corey Durick and Jesse Douglas. Check out Nurse Gone Platinum, um, our PlayStation plat, uh, platform with Jason, Moose, and Jeff, and NGR and Nurse Gone Wrong Radio uh, community uh, show. NGR Radio. You guys can check that out also on YouTube at NGR Radio or NurseGoneRogueRadio.com. Um, I will be posting blogs up there this, uh, 2018 and more. But once again, thank you everybody. Um, I, I really want to say that, you know, enjoy the weekend. Um, you know, hug your family and your friends, like really spend time with them, have some great eats, some great gaming holiday. Um, I will be putting out more regular episodes. The holidays are over with. So now I can focus more on optional PM getting episodes out. But with that, everybody, I am out. I just got one last track to play. Um, hopefully everyone had a great Christmas and hopefully everyone is going to be having a great new year. Um, this probably won't be the last episode. I'm going to try to get two more out, but if I don't get them out, just in case, just want to wish everybody a great new year and, uh, uh, you know, see you guys in 2018 with that. Everybody, I am out. Peace.